Welcome to episode four of the Second Summit Podcast with Alan Burgess and Dan Maycumber. How's it going, Al? Mm. Yeah, how's it going? Supermans, that's how it's going. You never showed me Supermans before. And when you said it, I thought, well, I'm going to have to watch this one on the YouTube channel. So I saw it and I'm thinking, oh, that's not going to be too bad. I can handle a Superman. When I started doing those, one, two, three. For one thing, I'm losing count. So I'm one, two, three, three. One, two, three, three. Wait, did I say three or four? One, two, three, trying to count to three. The back of my hamstrings tightening up. I'm getting some kind of Charlie horse back there. And I am cursing your name. <laughs> That's you know something one. else I've noticed? I've gained a lot of weight since we stopped working out and I quit smoking. And now starting back up. And you're always telling me, you know, all I need is the ground and my body weight. Well, doing pike push-ups and dips and inverted rows is harder the heavier I get because I'm lifting more weight. I've gotten really all about the Supermans here recently in the last six months or so. And I find that a lot of people have lower back pain. You go to the gym and you've got this back extension machine, which is great for strengthening your lower back. But, hey, not, not a lot of people have a back extension machine in their house. So I find that the Supermans are a really good way to hit your lower back. And it's really one of the only ways that you can get it without a lot of equipment. It hit me everywhere. Take a look at my pictures and you see what I mean. I'm all dirty, sweaty, just another beat down from... Uh... My old buddy, Dan, who wants to help me. Tell you, it doesn't feel like you want to help me about two rounds into those workouts. Feels like you're laughing, thinking, ha, ha, ha. But I'll tell you, I feel good after I'm done. I really do. It makes me feel motivated. And this podcast continues to make me work out. Say, no, I got to get it done because I don't want to go on this podcast and say, eh, I didn't do it. And hey, maybe next week you might need a little bit more motivation because I'm thinking about throwing two your way out. You ready for that? Oh, I can handle anything. I'm the man. I can do two workouts a week, no problem. Well, I'm glad that you put it that way, Al, because that brings us right into what we want to talk about today, ego. And what we want to start the ego discussion with is what happens when a person has an ego that is out of control. What kinds of things do you notice about a person with a really big ego? I think one of the telltale signs of an out of control ego is the actions don't live up to the boasting. Most people don't get hammered too hard for having a huge ego if they can back up what it is they're talking about. Now, even that can be a little unsettling to deal with. Someone who is good and tells you all about it. For example, one of our favorites, Muhammad Ali. At least when he said he how great he was, he really was that great. So one of the telltale signs of a huge ego is saying you can do something and talking about how you're the best and not living up to what you say you can do. Well, it's funny that you mentioned Muhammad Ali because I was going to jump in there and say that that reminds me of a quote that I believe was from Muhammad Ali and it was, it ain't bragging if you can back it up. But yeah, I find that too. And the way that I like to look at a lot of different things when I'm reflecting on myself or even in the moments when I'm judging other people, which I, I try not to do, but we're all human and we do that. If I'm taking a look at a person holistically and I'm looking to describe them, if I find myself describing that person as, boy, he's really, really good 
but he's not quite as good as he thinks he is. I think that that's a really good indication that somebody has an ego that's out of control. And you might see, and you might notice more, uh, more subtle things about them. They talk about themselves a lot. They dig in when they feel threatened, when they feel like their ideas or their, their things that they care about are being challenged. They dig in hard and they don't want to hear the reasons behind why they might be wrong or why the thing that they did might not have been the best way to do it. So I think that that's, for me, how you recognize that person with a big ego. That major ego is hand in hand with excuse making. And I mean, we both know being wrong is a very useful tool if you're willing to look at it objectively. I thought this was going to work. It didn't work. Why didn't it work? What was it that I thought was going to work? And where did it go wrong? And when you do that, when you try and fail, you can learn as much from that as anything else. But if you try and fail and you don't look at it honestly and you make excuses as to why you failed, you can never, ever learn from your mistakes. That will kill anybody at anything they're trying to accomplish. Yes, a lack of ownership. I couldn't have possibly messed that up because I'm too good to have messed it up. But it did go wrong. So it must be somebody else's fault or just something that was outside of our control. You got to be very careful when you start blaming things that are outside of your control because you have an influence on a lot more than you think you do. But I think that those are all good ways to tell that maybe somebody's egos creeping in and getting a little bit too big. So what causes a person to develop that big ego? First and foremost, I believe is insecurity. Even if you're the best, the best of the best, if you need that super ego that pushes on everything that you do, I believe without a doubt it derives from insecurity. Which is really an interesting thing because when you see somebody with an ego that's out of control, you don't think, man, what an insecure guy over there. You probably think just the opposite. Like that guy is too confident. That guy needs some humility in his life. But I think you're onto something there where, yeah, maybe, maybe that's just a front. Maybe deep down, they know they're not quite as good as they project themselves to be. There's a couple other ways that I think you can get big egos too. One is through success. With success comes more confidence, which is a good thing. But if you're consistently just winning at life over and over and over again and crushing the competition and doing very well for yourself, there's a good chance that that might lead you to think that you're a little bit better than you are. And I think the other thing that leads into that is when other people notice your successes and they continually bring them up, right? So I think your friends that are around you that are trying to be very supportive could potentially drive you down a path where your ego gets a little bit out of control. An example of that is in the sport of fighting more than any other sport. A guy will be winning, 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 and he really is great, and he's become maybe even the champion. You see it in boxing, and you see it in UFC. There's stories like this all the time where a guy's undefeated. He's, he's winning, everything's going great, and then all of a sudden he gets knocked out. He loses, and you find out so much about a fighter after he loses. 
Because time and time again, a guy will never be the same after he loses. And that's an example of having way too much ego. Because when it gets shattered, it is so hard to put that back together. I think that that happens all the time in fighting, just like you say. And I was watching Rocky Four earlier. I know that's a big surprise to everybody out there that knows me that I was watching Rocky Four today. But I was. In the beginning of Rocky Four. Apollo sees this advertisement for the Russian Ivan Drago coming to America and he wants to fight him. And he goes up to Rocky and he says, I know I can beat this guy. Here's a spoiler alert. He doesn't, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but his ego led him down that path. I think that's a, that's a great example, Al, the the boxing uh, analogy there. All right. So we've talked about what happens when your ego is too high or when anyone's ego is too high. We've talked about, how you recognize it and why it occurs. But now, so now we've identified that someone has a big ego and let's say it's my boss. How do I handle that situation? Carefully. When you're in a situation like that, it's all about how you treat them. You know, it brings me back to a story from our younger days when we may, maybe were a little more wild, Dan, and maybe you were trying to talk your way out of a speeding ticket or something like that. <laughs> And I remember something you said to me. It's stuck with me ever since you said it, and I think it falls exactly under this category. You kept saying no, sir, and yes, sir, to the cop when it was over and you got out of it. I said, if you were doing all this, yes, sir, no, sir, to me, I wouldn't like it. And you said, people like you don't become cops. (laughs) People who are cops, they want that authority. They like being called yes, sir, and no, sir. And I think that's a good example. Now, that's not certainly not a knock on all cops out there or anything like that. But it's just an interesting point that you need to know who you're dealing with and treat them accordingly if they are in a position of authority above you. Yeah, I think that's a great example. Let's, let's uh, redirect over to the boss now. We talked about indicators that the boss has a big ego. Well, they think highly of themselves. They take all the credit for stuff. They want to make themselves look good. And you know the best way to deal with a boss as a big ego is? Is you make them look good. So you do your job better than anybody else. And yeah, he might take a little more of the credit than he's really due. If you routinely make that boss look good, he will appreciate that. And you'll get in to that boss's inner circle. And he'll trust you more. Then you'll have more influence. And then maybe treading lightly, you can start to manipulate those situations to get what your desired outcome is because you know how to massage that ego. Another situation you might find yourself in is you're forced to work with somebody that has a big ego. So what if if your peer has a big ego? How do we handle that? Less carefully, I think. I think you need to... Show what you can do, and you need to stay firm, and you can't let somebody else's ego intimidate. And this kind of relates back into the accountability stuff that we were talking about on the last episode. The best way to show someone a better way to do something is to do exactly that, is show them. And you don't need to show them like, hey, come here, look at this. Be professional about your work. You don't have to brag about it because it's good. They'll see eventually if they're being aware and if not hey that's on them and they're not going to be successful i think that's a super important point you don't want to spend too much time on someone who's irrational because that's a waste of your energy and you only have so much of it you want to put your energy where it's going to work for you you don't want to spend your time going 
here, I prove you wrong, and he still won't admit it, and you're down this path, and it doesn't really amount to anything anyway. What's really happening is you're letting your own ego creep in at that point. And if you don't like somebody else's ego, the last thing you want to do is try to match it with your own ego. Right, because in that scenario, at some point in there, you make this transition to where being right is more important than doing the right thing. Right? I want to prove that this guy has a big ego and that's a bad thing. So I need to stand my ground and do the instead of just, hey, move on. We're going to move on. The team is going to take the next steps. And yep, this guy's ego is out of control, but that's okay. We can still have success as a team. And we're saying this stuff too, for what it's worth. As two guys from experience, we have certainly let our egos dictate what we're going to do before. And we have failed miserably doing it. And doesn't mean that if your ego dictates you're going to fail every time. What you do find out is that you never need an inflated ego for success. You might have success sometimes with your inflated ego, but you don't need it. And a lot of times when you crash, you're going to crash hard with that inflated ego. And we know that firsthand, don't we, Dan? Yes, we do. You listen to two guys who have had have come to almost to fist fights in gym class when we were younger over floor <laughs> hockey. That is true. I remember our gym teacher tried to put us on the same team once. You remember that? I do remember that. And we explained to her that we did not come here today to be on the same team. <laughs> I want to be against Dan at all costs, at all times. Me and Dan right now, if there's a ping pong table in between us, our egos will show up pretty quick. Yes, it will. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think that's a great lead in into our next question is how you recognize your own ego is getting out of control. So what kind of things do you start to feel when your ego is creeping and becoming a threat? Internally, I believe you'll feel jealousy. You'll feel jealousy quick because nothing will jack a guy's ego up faster than jealousy. I don't think that what you're projecting on the outside is usually the same thing you're feeling on the inside when it comes to ego. I think if you notice yourself feeling jealous, doing a lot of comparing with other people, trying to justify why you are better, especially if in your mind you don't think you are better, you might want to stop and ask yourself, am I being dictated by my ego right now? Yeah, and, and I think that when I feel my ego creeping in, is when I get this instinct to dig in. I told a story earlier or on the last podcast about my wife and the ceiling. I noticed that I, I had this urge to say, no, the ceiling is good because I made it and I am good. So that was how I recognized in that moment, which leads us right into the next thing is what do you do once you realize it? So you, to summarize that, you have to understand what you're, what you personally feel when your ego is starting to become a threat, when it's threatening to take over, you have to understand what feelings that you feel and that will create this moment in time where you can recognize it and you can do something about it. And my moment in time was right after when I had a little bit of alone time and I thought to myself, geez, I put in all this work on the ceiling and if my wife doesn't like it, then it was all for nothing because I don't care what the ceiling looks like. <laughs> you know, I would have kept the old vinyl stuff up. That's fine. I, I really did it for her. So for me to not take her advice. And once I got down that path of not being hurt about making this subpar ceiling, then I could actually 
take the advice and go and fix it. So me, for me, I think what you do in that situation is you have to take a step back. You have to look at the big picture and you have to think what is the best for everybody in this situation? What do I want the outcome to be? And then you drive towards that. And that can be hard to do. It is a practice that you will probably will fail at to really learn it. I imagine everybody has stories if they're really looking honestly of when their ego led them down to complete and total failure. Best thing you can do is draw back on those experiences. Eventually, you have to realize this is where I messed up. This is where I went wrong, and this is why I went wrong. You will not do that with your ego dictating things. I couldn't agree with you more, Al. And have you ever been in a situation like that where you could, where you noticed that your ego was kind of dictating things for you? Oh, 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 oh. this is a you know, this is when my subjects get real. My ego almost killed me, Dan. I all of a sudden needed help and. One thing that was not normal for me was to ask for help, was to say, I can't do this by myself and I need help. I'm defeated. And for me to reach out like that was the hardest thing I ever did in my life because I was completely controlled by my own ego. For me, coming to the realization that I'm arrogant was something I could not make sense of. Me? Arrogant? Nobody knows me as arrogant. And what I had to find out was just because I don't project arrogance doesn't mean I'm not arrogant. In my own mind, I believed I could do what others couldn't do. Uh, Yeah, you can't do this alone. We know that. That's why we formed a group like 50 years ago. We heard. Yes, we know you thought you could do it alone. Look, here's a room full of people who thought they could do it alone. They did not do it. And I was arrogant enough to believe that I could do it. And for somebody to tell me that I was arrogant, my ego starts dictating things and I can start justifying I'm not arrogant. And this is why. And that's why. And I'll tell you another thing about having a big ego for me and being arrogant like that. It always kept me from doing things that I didn't know I could do. I didn't want to try to quit smoking and fail. Because that would mean that I couldn't do something. So if I couldn't do it, I'd run and hide from it. No, no. Let's go try something I know I can do. Because that will stroke my ego. So when I had to go into recovery, when I had to say, I'm going to go try something, and I don't know what's going to happen, that was the hardest and most educational thing I ever went through. And if I had never gone through recovery... I never would have quit smoking. I never would have learned that idea that, hey, it's okay to keep trying. It's okay to struggle. It's not a failure if you're if you're getting knocked down. It's a failure if you don't try to get back up. Yeah, I think that that's a great example of ego and how it can be dangerous. I mean, not dangerous like we've talked about other times on this podcast, like truly dangerous to your well-being. Right, like you started the story saying that it almost killed you, and that's very—that's about as serious as it gets, Al. You know. Yeah, it's important to to be honest about it. You know, it's important to tell the truth. Ego kills people all the time. Ego puts drunk people behind the wheel. Ego can kill innocent people who weren't even involved. It is not. It is something that you need to recognize because it is the number one 
thing standing between you and self-improvement. You can be as motivated as you want, but if you can't learn from your mistakes, you're not going to have a healthy mind, body, and spirit. You might get the healthy body with ego, but the mind and the spirit are equally as important and will tear you down just as fast. It's a whole life experience, you know, and you mentioned that you might be able to get a good body or a strong, healthy body with ego. And that's true. That is true. Because this ego that drives you, I want to look good. I want to lift heavy weights. I want to be strong. I want all this stuff because of ego. But when it gets to be too much in this fitness world, that's when you start seeing people that have no business trying to lift the weights that they're trying to lift, do that and go ahead and get hurt by it. And I've, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the gym and I've seen that. I've seen guys that just, you look at them and you want to, you don't want to judge a book by its cover, but in the gym, you kind of, when people start putting some serious weight on and you look at them and they've got a, a runner's bill, which is fine. It just doesn't add up, right? And I saw one of those examples and pretty poorly for a guy uh, and even myself, when I started working out, the very first time that I ever set foot into a commercial gym back in our hometown, I went in. What's the first thing for a 15-year-old guy? It's arm day, right? So I'm going to do some bicep curls, the, the most useless exercise ever. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it with the heaviest weight I can possibly hold in my hands. So I've got, I don't even know what the weight was, 35, 40 pounds, and I'm trying to wing these dumbbells up the small lady that was working there she came up to me and she's like honey what are you doing <laughs> put these back grab the 15s and come over to the bench and she showed me how to curl right i was embarrassed and everything but i'm glad that she did that but you see that you do see it in the fitness world a lot and i actually have a, a more personal story that's more work related for me so back in the day I'm on my first submarine. I'm kind of, I don't know. I, we're talking ego here, so I want to keep it tame. But I had been pretty successful. You know, I had advanced through the ranks pretty quickly. I had made kind of a name for myself as being good at certain things, good at maintenance, a good watch stander. And because of those things, I was put in charge of the division as a very young person. So I was on, the, on my first boat. As the leading petty officer, that's what they call the person that's right under the chief in charge of the division. And I, I thought I was pretty good to go back then. I knew a lot about the boat. I'd been there for four and a half, five years at this point. And I felt pretty confident with what I knew and my capabilities. And I was at the point where I was transitioning into this leadership role. And I was delegating a lot of things that were happening. I wasn't doing a lot of wrench turning and all the physical maintenance items. I would more manage that workload and lead them. And they would ask me questions and I would answer them if they had them. So I assigned this maintenance item. So the garbage grinder was broken and I just assigned it. It's a pretty easy job. It's kind of a pain. Everything on a submarine is kind of hard to get to. As you might imagine, we don't have a lot of space down there and it's just heavy and awkward. And that's really the thing of it. It's not a real complex scenario. So I sent two, two guys out to go and do that. And, they, and then I assigned the rest of the maintenance and the workload for the day and we break. 
you know, I go around, I check on everybody and, and they're just struggling all day long with this maintenance item. They can't fix it. Can't fix it. Can't fix it. And finally we get to the end of the day and they still weren't able to fix it. So when we go another day, I assigned two different guys, Hey, go and fix the garbage grinder. And they go and same kind of deal at the end of the day, it's not done still. So finally day three, I'm like, okay, everybody do your thing. I signed all the stuff out. I'm taking the garbage grinder because I'm the best electrician that I know. That's where my ego started to creep in. I was like, oh, well, I know I can do this. I go in and this is a good place for me to pause this story for just a second while I give you a little bit of a background. So when I checked in on the submarine, there was a guy there. This guy didn't have the best reputation. Let's just say that. He, this guy didn't always have the best hygiene. We had to clean his barracks room for him because he would fail barracks inspections. He would fall asleep during a lot of our training sessions. And when you tell him to wake up, I wasn't sleeping and get all mad at you and everything. That's this guy. And we'll just call this guy Matt for for the sake of the story. So Matt comes up and I'm about an hour into this garbage grinder thing. And I'm starting to get really frustrated at it because I hadn't been able to make any progress. I was working on it for an hour and I'm still right where I started. And Matt comes through and he's like, hey, you need some help? And I looked at him like he was crazy. Like, well, what, from you? No, no thanks. Uh, he's like, okay, see ya. He goes out a couple hours later. I'm even more frustrated. He comes by again. Hey, you need some help? Nope. Not, not that kind of help, Matt. Thanks, but no thanks. See ya. Then towards the end of the day, he stopped by and I'm like cussing. I'm punching stuff. I am like inconsolable. <laughs> I'm very angry at the situation because I've been working all day on this thing that I thought was going to be a one or two hour job. And I knew that I could do it. These other guys couldn't do it. Well, I was seasoned and experienced and I know how to do it. And at this point, I was so frustrated when Matt asked me if he could help. I said, yep, knock yourself out. Sure. Go ahead. Give it a shot. And I swear, Al, he had that thing out in 15 minutes. <laughs> he removed one panel that I hadn't thought of removing, which gave you perfect access to this garbage grinder. And you could get right to the nut and bolt that you needed to get to to loosen it. And it just came right out of there. So that day, I learned that I can learn something from everybody and that I should never think that I'm better than anyone. And when someone offers you to help, don't be a jerk and think that they just, there's no way that that person could possibly be better at anything than me. So I had to put my ego in check. That, that was a really humbling experience for me. Great example. Great example of how your ego is dictating things. And if you fail with it and you can learn from it, you can move on from there. And if you don't learn from it, you are bound to keep making that same mistake over and over again. <laughs> That garbage grinder still wouldn't be fixed, Al. <laughs> no, was, and you'd still be trying. I would not have been given up. That's the thing. Like you, like we were talking about, you dig in. No, I don't need any help. I can do this. I'm the best. I know, and I can picture the whole thing, which is why I'm really enjoying this story. I'm glad I could uh, provide this entertainment for you, Al. <laughs> so that's kind of wraps up some of our big ego discussion, but there's one more piece left of it. And I want to ask the question, what happens when someone doesn't have enough ego? What does that look like in a person? That's, you know, that's an interesting point too, because you certainly don't want to have no confidence. 
sense. The one I think is a great analogy is a basketball game. That's what's coming to my mind right now. These guys, and you see this, a guy who can really shoot, but he's nervous. Out. And the way that you win in a basketball game is by making baskets. So this guy gets the ball. He's wide open, but he's nervous. He doesn't want to miss. So he doesn't shoot. He passes it off. And the teammates are looking at him. Man, you're wide open. Shoot the ball. But he won't shoot the ball because he's scared. That's having no ego at all. When the ball's in your hand and it makes sense to shoot, believe in yourself that you're going to make it. And that's okay. Self-confidence is not a bad thing. What is the definition of ego? I looked it up and it is a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. That's the definition of ego. I think you're exactly right, Al. Wayne Gretzky said you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. And we hear that a lot in motivational speeches and everything. And it's true for a hockey player. It's true for a basketball player. And it's true for an entrepreneur. It's true for a small business owner. It's true for an investor. It's true in many walks of life that if you don't take that shot, you've got zero chance of making it. And I think a lack of ego is one of the number one reasons that people don't take that shot because they don't have the self-esteem or self-importance. And it's a really interesting discussion too, because when we started this discussion off of ego, people have a certain idea about what ego is and what it means. If we turn back time to the beginning of this podcast and every place where it said ego, we put in self-esteem. I think that people would think a lot differently about what we're talking about. So I think that that self-esteem is an important thing. You need you need a level of confidence to be able to be successful, but you have to keep you, it under control. You know what I really like in that definition that I think is worth mentioning is the word self-importance because that is such an easy thing to overlook, especially if you have a family, if you have people you take care of. This is something in early recovery that I had to learn and focus on is self-importance. Now that I've learned, the way that I look at it is you treat yourself just like you treat anybody that you love. If you're going to spend time beating yourself up about things that you've done in the past, you have to ask yourself, would I treat my wife that way? Would I beat my wife up about things she's done in the past? Or would I try to build her up? Would I beat my daughter up about things that she's done in the past? Or would I try to build her up? You are every bit as important as anybody else that you love. You need to treat yourself with the same love and same care you treat anybody else with. You see this all the time with going to the doctor. You'll see somebody who has an infection, but they don't want to waste the time. They don't want to take the time off from work. They don't want to put that burden on their insurance or the money or whatever it is to take care of themselves. But if it was their daughter who had an infection, she'd be at the hospital so fast. Nobody could stop you from getting there. That is something you need to practice with yourself as well. I love that that encompasses self-importance. And if you don't have enough ego, if that's what you want to call it, to deem yourself important, then that's something you need to work on because it is invaluable to live in your best life. I think that's very well said, Al. And in line with living our best lives, do you have any updates for us on goals for this week? I'll tell you where I'm falling short. That is in my overall calorie counting. I'm staying out of the Mountain Dew, and I'm doing considerably better than I've done. 
probably ever. But <laughs> I got to admit, there are these Klondike bars they get us at work when it's hot. And man, I have trouble staying out of those Klondike bars. Yeah. I'll eat one Klondike bar. And then at the end of the day, when it's hot, I'll go grab another Klondike bar. That's where I'm falling short right there is I got to remember that I want this. I don't want to do all this working out that you make me do just to go stay level with Klondike bars. So I did weigh myself and I'm at 230 pounds right now, which is the heaviest I've been in a long time. So I'm going to see if we can knock that number down over the next few weeks and months ahead. Good. Yeah. I think that that's good that you recognize that. And I think that it's good that you've got a plan. And I'll tell you what's helped me these last few weeks. And, and even before we started the podcast with my trying to cut weight, because that's not something that that's not my comfort zone is cutting weight. Like I like to lift heavy stuff. So I'm a little outside my comfort zone when I'm trying to cut weight too. I went really hard on the calorie counting for a few days. That gave me kind of this template. So I knew if I had this for breakfast and this for lunch and this for dinner, that that day was going to be good. So now I don't need to necessarily count those calories if I'm going to have that same meal routine throughout the next day or the day after or whatever. So I found that that really helps me uh, was to to do a very disciplined for a couple days and then you kind of get this idea of where your range is. It makes sense to me. I think I'll try to follow that model a little closer. I have not had any Mountain Dew though. I will say that. I am Mountain Dew free now for almost two weeks. That's awesome. Good job, Al. Yeah, as far as mine go, I'm I'm down two pounds, so I'm at 196 now. So I know last time I said that I started 198, didn't lose anything last week, wasn't too worried about it. You keep doing the right things, and the right thing happens. You getting up any earlier? I'm not ready to declare victory yet because I'm, I've am i got a long ways to go. I still am hitting the snooze a couple times. Now, it's better than it was, but I have, what I will say is that I have consistently for the last five out of seven days gotten up with enough time to go and do either a light workout or a yoga session, have plenty of time to make a a good breakfast without feeling rushed and just kind of relax in the morning. So I am getting up earlier. I'm just not finding that spot that I said I was going to get up at. And that's really what I want to achieve with that goal is I want to, when I go to bed, I want to know what time I'm going to get up and I just want to do it. I want the alarm to go off and then I just hop out of bed and get about my day. Usually I I hit that snooze, I'll take another 10 minutes, stretch it out, and then I go hit it, which is a tremendous improvement from where I was. Because what I was doing before is I would hit the snooze, hit the snooze, hit the snooze, maybe reset an alarm for an hour later. I'm moving in the right direction, but I'm not ready to call it yet. That's not bad. You know, I wouldn't beat yourself up too much. Really, in the end, the goal is to be productive in the morning. And if you're doing that, I'd say you're doing pretty good. Not say you can't improve. We can always improve, but that's what we do here. We work on our goals and we struggle with them and we hold each other accountable and we, we're all in this together and we understand that everyone's in different places and it doesn't really matter where you are. You can always take a step forward and you can always use these same principles to do it. And that's what we love about this group, our group. 
talking about things we do, working on stuff together. I think it's time for the workout, Al. (laughs) I figured. All right, here we go. So like we said at the beginning of the podcast, there's going to be two this week. Yeah. Before I say what the first workout is, I want everybody to kind of relax a little bit because it's going to sound a little crazy. It's meant to be a challenge, not just for you physically, but mental too. This You're is not one of those relaxing me. <laughs> this is one of those ones where I want you to push your limits. So, Al, your first workout for the week. You've done this one before with me. It's 100 burpees for time. Some of our listeners might be out there thinking, Dan, I can't do one burpee. What the heck am I supposed to do? The answer to that question is always you do what you can. Okay, so if you can't do 100 burpees, what do I want you to do? I want you to do 100 squats, or I want you to do 100 push-ups, or I want you to do both. If you can't do a full squat, hold on to something. Do it in front of a chair. So if you sit down, then you're just in a chair. If you can't do a push-up, elevate your hands. Put your hands up on the couch or on the stairs. Or if that is too hard as well, then you can go up to a wall. Do push-ups on the wall. The point is here is to get 100. And you don't have to get them all in one go doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter how long it takes you. But I do want you to keep track of how long it does take you. That way you have this benchmark that maybe you can beat next time. Don't get too worked up about the 100 burpees for time because there are other things that you can do. And I encourage you to do the 100 squats, the 100 push-ups if you can't do the burpees. Or if you can't do a full burpee, if you can't do the push-up with the burpee, that's okay. Do what you can do. Know your limits and push those limits. Just for a point of reference, very talented athletes are doing 100 burpees in under 10 minutes. Uh, last time that I that I tried this, I think I was around the 13-minute mark. Al, I looked at your time earlier. You were in the 17-minute range. So if you need a point of reference to think about like how hard this workout is going to be, think 20 minutes. Right? Most of the workouts that I give are longer than that. You can be done with this one in less than 20 minutes. All right, here I'm we ready. go. We're, we're going to move into workout number two. So you're going to start it off with a warm-up. Al, for you, that's going to be two rounds of three-minute jump rope. Oh, I didn't even complain about the jump rope in the beginning. <laughs> How did it go for I you last time? I'm getting a little better with it, I think. I think I'm getting a little better with it. I really do. I I, I kind of almost enjoyed it this time. Well, I got is- interrupted around two minutes on my first. So I did two minutes and four minutes, but I thought that was close enough. That's good. Well, I'm glad that you got that you and the jump rope have come to a mutual agreement to uh, work together. So that's a that's a good thing. So I won't go that far. <laughs> so after your warm up, and for everybody else out there, if you don't have a jump rope around, like I've said on every other workout, just do enough so your blood's pumping and you're ready to move without hurting yourself. So the rest of this workout is going to take you 30 minutes, and it's timed. You're going to go 30 seconds on. 30 seconds off and you're going to rotate from push-ups to squats to burpees and you're going to repeat that 10 times so each one of those sets is one minute so that's a 30 minute workout okay and if you can't if you can't make it all 30 seconds 
modify. If you got to come down on your knees on the push-ups, that's okay. If you lose the push-up on the burpee, that's okay too. If you're coming halfway down your squat, okay, just do what you can do. If you can't make it 30 seconds, go 20. If you can't do it 10 times, do it six times. The point is do something because that's how you get better. All right, you got any questions about the workout for next week, Al? No, I think it's pretty straightforward, but I am excited. I hope that we get some posts on our Facebook page, you know, telling us your times, complaining, calling Dan's names by all means if that's what you want to do. I'll post my time on my burpees just as soon as I get it done. I don't know if I can do 17 again. Um, It's been a little while since I did that, but I'll share honestly and let's not be ashamed. Whatever we do, let's share about it, let's write about it, and let's just keep moving forward because that's what we do. That's the name of the game. And I want to thank everybody that's been listening to us. I can't tell you how much I appreciate the support. And every time one of you reaches out to us and tells you how much you appreciate it, it just makes us want to keep going and keep doing better. So please keep the feedback coming. Let us know what you want to hear because we're listening, right? Like us on Facebook. We're Second Summit Podcast on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram at Second Summit Podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've got that up and running every episode episode is going to be on there so if you don't have access to your to your apple podcast spotify anchor whatever else you might listen to and a podcast on you can always go and see that full episode on youtube i'm also putting workouts up there so every time that i give al a workout i'm going to post a video kind of like a little tutorial on how to do that workout i'm also going to take a look at making some workouts that are more suitable for beginners because I do understand that not everybody is real keen on doing burpees and kettlebell swings and thrusters and everything. We're not all there quite yet. I'm going to put some stuff up to kind of get you moving in that direction and show you the progression on how to get there. So subscribe to our YouTube channel. Spread the word. If you like what we're saying in this podcast and we're firing you up and we're motivating you, please share it. Let, let people around you know what we're talking about, what we're trying to do here. Uh, and you can you can always reach us at our email address too. We're secondsummitpodcast at gmail.com. And speaking of people reaching out to us, talking, asking about what we're going to be talking about next, giving us recommendations. One of our listeners reached out to us just a couple days ago, and our next episode is going to be on COVID and how that impacts people with regards to their goals and how we can manage that. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. Thanks for all of your support, and we'll see you back here next week, and we'll all be just a little better. 